Welcome to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. And you're darn tootin' in the words of Gabby Hayes. Yeah, you're tootin', you hurry dude. Welcome to another edition of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. I'm Harry Alexander. Bunker de France is here That's in me. Los Angeles. It is our good friend Todd Roberts, and I don't know if he's on the phone or if he's on the clean feed thingy. Um, I think he's on the clean feed. Hello? He's not on the clean feed. But let me correct you. I am not in Los Angeles. Oh, in, I am in beautiful San Jose, California. Uh, so, okay. Do you, you know the way to get there? Yeah, apparently. Nola does. <laughs> well, if I don't, I can always call Dion Warwick. She'll show up. She'll come. Our guest today is uh, Jennifer Malone. Um, she is a member of the Wakchumni tribe in California, and she's a uh, basket weaver. And she teaches basket weaving and, and, and using the language to bring, or using basket weaving to bring the language back to life. To life, yeah. And so we'll get to her in just a moment, but first we've got some other things to do. Well, as usual, I've got a couple of birthdays and a couple of passings here and some little news. Okay. Uh, from the birthday thing, uh, born on the 7th of October in 1905 was Andy Devine. He had a horse named uh, Joker, I believe it was, uh, on October 8th. Matt Damon, that was, he was born in 1970. He's just a puppy. But he did Geronimo, which I consider that a, a good movie. Might, we might ask Jennifer what she thinks of it later. Uh, and then on the 10th, uh, Richard Jekyll, born in 1926, great character actor. Uh, got to meet him a few times. Wonderful man. And then uh, coming up, what do we got coming up here? Oh, I want to do the passings. We have some WWA and Western Writers news. Uh, Peter Cooper passed away back in back in December. Uh, Cormac McCarthy wrote some. He's kind of a standard for people comparing to. He passed away in June uh, of this year. Uh, Wynn Blevins, who was a great storyteller in book and in just a person, passed away in jo- uh, June. No, yeah, no, July. Okay. And then Michael, our cowboy Mike Searles, who he was probably one of the most beloved guys in the WWA. He passed away uh, in August. Mm -hmm. And then just coming up in next year, uh, the WWA convention, which will be held from June 19th to the 22nd, will be in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. So book early. And who do we got here? Oh, this is a little piece here. Paul Bishop and Richard Prouse. There are a couple of guys that do uh, a podcast like we do. Mm-hmm. They, uh, Six Gun Justice, they were this year's recipients of the Lariat Award from Excellent. the WWA. Excellent. So that's good. It's, it's, I'm glad that the podcasters are getting recognized. That's right. And coming up, uh, an evening with Barry Corman. Corbin, Tombstone, Arizona, and Hell Dorado Days. That'll be Saturday, the 21st of October at Schifflin Halls. The doors open at 5. The show starts at 6. Oh, okay. Anyhow, that's that's enough of that. Let's get to Well, the we've also got a booming uh, event happening on the 21st of October at the Mezcal movie set. Oh, yeah. It's a Civil War artillery demonstration. 
Big Booms. We love them mo- We love them a lot. Mescalmovieset.com. Go visit the website. Here find he out more about it. I do. Uh, I wish I could get it out there, but uh, <laughs> you know. And then you can you can attend this thing at 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. and then head on down to uh, Tombstone for the Hell Dorado Day. So with that cool going weekend. on. Uh, what else did we have? Did we have? Oh, the Empire Ranch event. Comes oh up. yes, we have coming up. Don't forget that. Yeah, let me let me let me get the exact details so that I don't don't flub it here. Okay. That's coming up November fourth and fifth. That's the first weekend in November, mm-hmm. and it runs from ten to ten a.m. to four p.m. each day. There will be Western music and entertainment. History and cultural demonstrations, ranch life exhibits, a couple of 45-minute trail rides. Uh, if you're interested in those, you better contact them soon because they sell out really quick. The, uh, there's kids' activities, skilled artisans and speakers, silent auction and food trips, food trucks, ATMs are available. They're requesting a $20 donation per vehicle with the emphasis on requested. Right. And if you want further information, you can talk uh, contact them at empireranchfoundation.org. All right. Wow. That's a lot of stuff there. That's a mouthful. I know. Uh, We ought to start charging these people. I should get commission paperwork. I know you should, huh? Uh, Jennifer Malone, uh, she's a vice chairperson uh, for the California Indian Basket Weavers Association. Jennifer, welcome to Voices of the West. Thank you. We appreciate you uh, coming on the show. Todd found you. And uh, uh, I didn't know she was lost. Yeah, well, no, well, he found her somewhere. I, I'm, oh, okay. I'm, uh, Todd Roberts, introduce our guest. <laughs> well, you know, uh, as my mother used to say often, even a blind squirrel finds a nut. And I think this is an example of it because I found Jennifer. Um, you know, I was looking for someone to help me. Um, in with some of my mom's baskets in her collection right uh which were damaged and uh i have been searching for somebody probably well uh four years now over four it's been four years uh so maybe maybe more than three definitely less than four um and i talked to a lot of different basket weavers over this period of time and um, most of them um, thought I was crazy, and the you other <laughs> section of them uh, just thought, you know, I was, you know, um, slicing bologna at a very large scale. <laughs> and um, she just kind of was willing to listen, mm-hmm. uh, which was I found very unique because she didn't know me from Adam. I called her over the phone. I found her on the internet, mm-hmm. and you know we talked extensively. Um, I never, I didn't want to tell her at first that I was looking for help with ba- repairing some baskets. We we talked about basket weaving in general and. Uh, my mom grew up in, in Corcoran, but I had family in Visalia and Fresno and Tulare and Hanford and so on, and she knew those areas and Homeboy. and so forth. And um, she was doing basket classes, basket weaving classes. Uh, and I was like, now that's unique. That's pretty interesting. Somebody to be that dedicated and devoted to give back. 
And uh, we kept talking. We had a few more conversations. And finally, one day, I caught her probably in a very weak moment. And I said, I've got these baskets. I need your help. Would you be willing to look at them? And she said yes. And we kept talking. And and then I just, I kind of came up with it in my head. Uh, You know, this person would be a fabulous guest on the show and here so she we is. got lucky and here we are mm-hmm. and she's a lady who's lived a long life and is going to live a lot more life but has sure got a lot of knowledge about life basket weaving and the history of california so we're, we're lucky to have her mm-hmm. jennifer you uh learned this art through your mother and your grandmother talk about how that all came about um, yes, well, a long time ago, we had to have baskets in order to cook our acorn and uh, put our foods in to store. And um, my grandmother's mother was a great basket weaver. So it goes back many generations on my dad's side is my grandma, my great-grandma, and great-great-grandmother. So it's on both sides, I figure. It's got to be in me somewhere. So <laughs> There's a basket weaver. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a basket weaver, and, and I love it. And you're, you're trying to revitalize your language, your tribe's language, through basket weaving. Explain how that works. Well, um, what I'm doing right now is I'm documenting all the process on different types of basket materials that we use. Uh-huh. And when I'm out there, I on the film, I let them know the name of the plant in our language, like the red bud is anup, and the baby baskets, we have one which is the newborn, taptapis, and then we have our older one, that uh, they are in about three months after they're born called the Akitsi. So I let them know all of the materials. I use the language for gathering the names of our tools and different items that we need when we go out and um, gather. You know, your mom... my thinking is that she really is the person who is the keystone and foundation of all this because she was the last living speaker of Winnie Chukami and she with her work to put it down on a typewriter as I understand with no electricity one finger at a time uh, and, I, and, and she, her smile I saw her smile She, what a beautiful lady she looked to be Thank you. Yes, she was. And I never ever saw her sad. And she was always in positive frame of mind with anything that we did. And so that passed on to me, um, you know, always having good thoughts about people, things in life and just our everyday life. But, yeah, she was a wonderful person. Um and uh, she lived with her grandmother when she was uh, growing up because uh, they took her brothers and sisters, the government, when they were doing, um, taking the children mm. to uh, some of the en- English words, I forget, but um, to make them learn how to do 
to assimilate to, to, to be civilized, yeah, assimil yeah. assimilated so to the American culture, the to kill the Indian, to yeah. kill the Indian culture, and yeah. assimilate to the American culture. Mm. Yeah. So my mom was fortunate. She, uh, I think, she was only about three or four, and so she got to stay with her grandma. Mm. And she was. And that's where she learned everything that she passed on to us. And the, from my understanding, it was like she would sit at their feet when the ladies would be weaving baskets, taking it all in. And your and yeah. her grandmother or your great grandmother passed away when she was around eight years old. So her memory is mm -hmm. just so astounding. Mm. I know. That's what I always told everybody. At, at the age of seven, and she remembered all of this language, you know, who mm. talked about all of this stuff, but, uh, yeah, she would be sitting around there and, and uh, listening to them, and she wrote down on pieces of paper, napkins, <laughs> just whatever she could grab at the time before she forgot, so uh, we did put in the film uh, her scraps of notes that she took mm -hmm. also, which was you know something that we treasured and i guess I, she she mined snatches from here and there from <laughs> other people that knew phrases and words and and maybe yeah. stories but not the whole language and she pushed pieced that all together that's that's incredible and it, it's not so unfortunate that your culture was attempted to be destroyed uh well, we won't even go into that. We'll we, get into that later. We, we, we don't appreciate the, what, what the government did to, uh, the to, to the all y'all. The history of California, <laughs> yeah. their genocidal history, yeah. uh, it just, it's, it's evil. Yeah. Anyhow. Uh, tell us about the California Indian Basket Weavers Association uh, 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 on which you serve as the vice oh, chair. Oh, my goodness, yes. That is my favorite organization. I've been with them for off and on for... Uh, 20 years and um, our um, our theme is to promote preserve and perpetuate basket weaving and so um, I don't know um, what it, finances or um, laws I just know what's in my heart from basket weaving mm -hmm. and I I'm there for our members of our association to keep them informed and then you know when we we have a yearly gathering that we do um, every year where we pull all the basket weavers of California together and we have classes hands-on classes for people throughout the state and we try to get it in different areas uh, of California um, every year and um, so I try to keep up with the laws on uh, gathering mm -hmm. I have gotten into different places that that were no trespassing. <laughs> I have run into some places that said, hey, what are you doing here? Get out of here. Mm. Um, wow. You know, just going through all different kinds of things, but working with SEBA to um, help us to be able to um, get into our gathering areas. And there aren't really that many basket weavers nowadays because you know people want instant this and sure. instant yeah. that they and they have Michaels. Tupperware yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and so, you know, they just uh, don't really have the time, the patience, and the um, materials to mm-hmm. make baskets. One of the interesting... Jennifer, Go for, ahead, um, for all of us who know and don't know, but let's assume none of us know, give us the major practical areas of what baskets were used for after they were woven. In all well, the different areas, um, I know all the different tribes have um, baby baskets because we had to put our babies in in something, you know, right. to carry them uh, when we went out to work or gather and things like that. So the baby baskets were very, very important to get those done, and then we had our our seat, our gather, our. Uh, burden baskets, which were like a cone basket that you carry on your back to put in your acorns, your materials you gather, just different things, you know, that it's like, I, I always tell the kids that we created the first backpacks, because that was our <laughs> yeah. our uh, burden basket. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> and then the seed gather, we had to go out and gather our berries and our uh, um plants that we needed and so we had a seed beater that beat the bush so your berries would fall off into the Mm -hmm. seed gatherer and so you know all of these uh, items we had to have well you know we've got a basket full of commercials coming up so (laughs) maybe we should reach into one of those now I think we will do that our guest is Jennifer Malone Uh, she's with the California Indian Basket Weavers Association Harry Alexander, Bunker to Branch, and Todd Roberts with you on Emil Francis, Voice of the West. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true West, where a large number of Westerns were built. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. This is Eb Wilkinson at Wilkinson Wealth Management. If you're within 10 to 15 years of retirement and you're putting off retirement planning, my advice to you is don't do that. Ignoring your retirement planning won't make it go away. It'll just make it worse. Give me a call and let's work on your plan together so you can retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, at 777-1911. That's 777-1911. Watch Old West silent movies anytime at VoicesOfTheWest.net We all make promises, big and small. I pledge allegiance to the flag 
of the United States of America. I do solemnly swear to help you when you are in need to be considerate and caring, to be your loving, faithful friend, partner, child, parent, neighbor. One of our most important commitments is to support our nation's veterans. Learn how you can help a veteran going through a difficult time by visiting maketheconnection.net. The colonel was like a father to me, and if my life would bring him back, I'd be only too glad to stick my neck in the noose. But it won't. And in the meantime, the three men who dry-ghosted him are seated in this courtroom. And they haven't been tried. Take him away. But if there's any real justice, there'll be another trial before I swing. And it'll be a quick trial of gun smoke and wooden overcoat for those three killers. This is the Voices of the West. back on Emil Francis' Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. Our guest, Jennifer Malone, she's a vice chair of the uh, California Indian Basket Weavers Association, and we are learning about basket weaving and how uh, the language is being brought back uh, with this. Speaking of the language... Yes. Uh, as I understand, it's a dialect of the Tule, Kewia, Yokuts, historically spoken by the people of the East Fork of the Kalia River in California. Uh, I'm not really that familiar with the region, because uh, I understand a lot of the folks have been uh, replaced in different parts of the state. Uh, are you are you anywhere near the original homeland of your people? Yes, I am 50 miles from the Tule River Reservation, um, probably 45 from the Tachi Santa Rosa Rancheria, and then our, I live just probably like 10 miles from where I was born, um, there on Venice Hill with the Wachumni tribe. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to put this in some kind of perspective for folks to understand. Uh, at one time, the Yukuk tribe consisted of a population of around 50,000 people. Now there's supposedly, I mean, I'm sure there's maybe a few more now, but it's a population of around 250 tribal members. Is that still accurate? Um, if you're talking about the Wachumni tribe, um, I really can't say that's accurate um is that what you're talking about mm -hmm. the Wachumni tribe yes or mm -hmm. Tuli well uh it was the Yokuk tribe that they were talking about Yokut is what you're uh pronouncing mm -hmm. in our language it's Yokuch Yokuch and okay. in um uh, Sometimes people say yokuts, yokouts, yokuts, you know, so it's yokuch. And um, that means people. Yeah. So even you guys are. Even we're yokuch. people. Yeah. Well, that, 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 if you go through all of the tribes and you take their names, it right. always comes out. But the that people. Central mm -hmm. Valley. Yeah. Yeah. Is is there any language disparities uh, when all of you get together, uh, the the board members of the SEBA uh, get together? I mean, I note that there are members from different uh, tribes. Is there, there a language? Hundreds oh. of tribes in well, yeah, I understand yeah, that. No, I, you're right. No, it's just it's been perfect. So what does disparity mean? 
Uh, no, well, maybe not disparity. Differences. But, yeah, differences um, in, in the oh, language. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, because we, ha- we have the Pomo uh, language uh, people. Mm-hmm. We have um, Chumash. That's from the coastal area, Chumash. And uh, Liseño, um, um, Paiute. Uh, So we have a lot of different, because it is supposed to be consisting of northern, southern, and central tribes. So we don't speak the language at our meetings or gatherings, although I do, uh, when I have my um, family doing basket classes, they try to put the uh, baskets and names in our in our language, passing it on to people that are joining their class. I like the fact that you you are a self-described language weaver, and you know, <laughs> I think that I sounds like so that. cool. It sounds so cool. And you yeah, know, I like you, that. You and your mom did a uh, documentary for the New York Times. Who speaks with Tumi? Uh, is that still available, or do you know? It's online on YouTube. It's called Who Speaks with Chumney. And, um, yeah, we worked with them on creating that. And I, every time I watch it, I cry. It still touches me very, very much. Um, but, yeah, we still have that one. And then we also have another one called The Language Keepers. You can find on YouTube. And that's uh, with my granddaughter and my cousins and my great-grandson on that one talking about saving the language. And then we have one more that is called When They Return, and that one is uh, on our basket leaving gathering and then um, filming some of our techniques. Yeah, I did a card on that for my files. It's the third part of the Valley and the Lake series. And uh, I guess the fellow that... uh, he directed it, produced it. He was the photographer and the editor, uh, Christopher Beavers. He sounds like a busy beaver. <laughs> <laughs> he was, yes. He came and re- rearranged Mama's whole house so that they could film with good lighting. Huh. So Jennifer, <laughs> when when the your your children and your great grandchildren. Um, are learning all of this is is this something that they want to do or is it something that they should do because of their particular culture um, and, and where I'm going with this my mom did not speak English when she started uh, school and because of that she vowed she would never teach any of her children the native language and so as a result I don't speak that uh, but that's what I'm trying to find out is are they receptive to wanting to learn about their culture well first of all um, our language keeps us connected to who we are Okay. and so there are a few of our families that are just out there struggling every day, you know, nobody's rich here, so they have to work and <laughs> try to get by in life, you know, with uh, whatever they're doing. But um, I kind of, well, to me, it's in their heart because they did love their grandmother and my mom, and so they are doing it to 
keep her memory going. Well, you know, the That's family so, unit. Um, yeah, say yeah. The family and unit so and the Native family is so yeah, yes. cohesive. Well, and, and, and with my parents, it's old old world European. Yeah. And so, you know, it's <laughs> you want to keep the thing going. but yeah. What you know. But, yeah. Uh, but it, and, it, you know, as a kid growing up, the world you see is the only world you know. That's true. And so it's the real world. It's only when you, and I'm sure I'm sure Jennifer experienced that when, when she went out into the big world, the, the hmm. difference between, you know, reality and the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. I still don't feel that I've been out to the big world. The <laughs> farthest I've been is Washington and um, Further Texas. Than me. That's about it. <laughs> uh, describe a make-to-go event. What was that? Describe a make-to-go event. Or a a lake-to-go? Make. Make-to-go. Make. Make-to-go. Make oh, a make-to-go. Make okay. It's, uh, it is where I hire uh, six teachers, which I've... Uh, all of my family are the teachers because I taught my granddaughter how to do the gambling tray game and that has a big gambling tray made of red bud, white root, and deer grass and the game was being lost but we revived it with learning from mom and other friends to how that game went and so she brought it back and we make our own dice out of uh, black walnuts and the pitch from the pine trees hmm. to um, play the game. And it's just rolling the dice, basically. Hmm. And so she brought that back. And so she's teaching how to play the game. We have our pine needle baskets, which my sister does. And um, so it's she. they make, your, make a basket or a medallion and then they take it home. Um, the cradle boards, we, I have my sister's granddaughters doing that. Um, we do the gourd, uh, gourd rattles, our clap sticks, just the things that we daily use in um, our ceremonies and things like that. So we're just trying to keep it going by uh, teaching other people and, and um, so they get to make it and take it home with them. Oh, tell us about the work to so me Jennifer, dictionary. Oh, go ahead, Todd. Well, no, I, I think the dictionary would be very interesting. My question will come next. Tell us about the Wakumi Dictionary, Jennifer. Oh, my goodness. My mother started that many, many years ago, and she, like she said, she was just a pecker on the computer, and my brother had to teach her how to do it, um, <laughs> to type things in and space and all that, you know, it's just like, wow, but yeah. she was the creator of the dictionary, she alphabetized everything, she spaced, and she wrote sentences, she wrote the word in English, wrote the word in Wachumni, and then she made a sentence in English and made it, wrote it in um, our language, so all just for one word you know she had all of that and um i would help her by archiving all of this so um i uh, i didn't know the words you know i just helped her with uh getting putting it together and um 
then my my grandson really helped her a lot because he knew technology and he recorded the words which we wow. haven't really finished that yet but we do have it recorded parts of it but then um so she she'd wake up at night and remember a word and write it down <laughs> wow. but yeah. she was so dedicated to that you know so, that what a it was her lady. everyday life everyday life a wonderful so, lady so cool Todd, your second question. So, you know, Jennifer, unfortunately, our California Indian history has, most of it has not been told. And what has been told is a lot of it's incorrect, um, <laughs> unfortunately. And so when you, when you think about, like, Someone like Ishii, the story of Ishii, who was the last of his tribe, his whole tribe, his whole clan, was village was slaughtered. He went up into the hills and lived like a hermit for several years and then was discovered by a university professor who was an anthropologist and brought him down into, shall we say, civilization by his standards and toured him around and then wrote a book about him and exposed the world to Ishii. You know, that's the only story in present day California or maybe America we know about the California Indian. But I have to believe that that did not happen just once. It happened time and time and time and time again. Tens of thousands. So is there any light you want to shed on that for us? Well, to me, it's like when they did take the kids from their families, you know, some of the people didn't even come back. Mm. They just stayed wherever they were, you know, got educated, and uh, so they never saw their family again, you know. They got so separated that they didn't even know who their family were, and to me, that is just so sad. You know, there's they a- lost the, the whole collect- connection with their, their yes. heritage. There's, yes, definitely. There's a sign. And that's what's kind of happening with the fostering, you know, mm-hmm. where they're making our, giving, our, putting our children into non-native homes. And to me, uh, they need the native structure yeah. that we've created, you know, because it's, it's just valuable yeah. to be able to live the, the and you know, it, we're not perfect, but just living every day for myself is like, I feel so rich in having my baskets, my language, my everything that I have. I appreciate everything I have. You know, there's a, I know you've been involved with it, the Indigenous Environmental Justice Group. And I, I was reading their kind of, a, it was a, I guess a treatise on them. It was just so fascinating and educating. But there was a quote from that, and I'd like to read it. Baskets are not just containers, nor are they static objects. Baskets carry the weight of history, vitality, loss, and spiritual connection to the land. Baskets hold knowledge about the world, how to live right within the world, and how to steward the world of which they and their weavers are a part. 
Yeah, that's beautiful. And part of that is what I was going to talk about, too, with our the ways of life. I call it my book, Chimney Ways. But bask, and speaking about the baskets is that when we always go out to gather our materials, we give thanks, a prayer, and thanks to mm-hmm. having being able to go out and gather and then mom mom always taught us that um when you're in an area clean it up whether it's your mess or not you know always take the trash out so taking care of mother earth and um the one i like the best is how we teach our kids to give rather than take 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 all the time is to when you finish your first project you you must give it away to someone, exactly. you know, and that teaches you to give. And we always tell them, you know, it'll it's something better will come back, you know. So that's our ways of life through our baskets. And um, we don't leave at night because mom said bad spirits uh, travel around at night. So we don't want to be. Mm-hmm. And I think kind of, you know, some people say, well, it's uh, so you don't run around at night, you know, because something will get you, but, <laughs> you know, through our stories, you know, that's what we have. Um, so, uh, no wasting. You know how people go to a potluck and they just pile their plates sky high oh, yeah. with everything, and then and somebody's it, behind you and they don't even get any, you know? Yeah. So, no wasting is going out and gathering too much material that you're not able to take care of it and prepare it. And so, uh, so these ways that I live through my baskets is ways of life. Interesting. We've got to do our next commercial break here, Jennifer. We'll be right okay. back. Harry Alexander, Bunker right. de France, and Todd Roberts with you on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Jennifer Malone's our guest. We'll be back. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year, we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club dates from 1948 and is now at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway. The club owns 80 acres and leases 300 more from Pima County that supports 50 trap fields, 15 ski fields, two five-stand fields, two sporting plays courses with 12 stations each, a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, 200 full-service RV hookups for members, and free Wi-Fi. This expansive facility gives enough room to host major national and international events annually, bringing thousands of people to the community. Check it out at Tucson This is Eb Wilkinson at Wilkinson Wealth Management. If you're within 10 to 15 years of retirement and you're putting off retirement planning, my advice to you is don't do that. Ignoring your retirement planning won't make it go away. It'll just make it worse. Give me a call and let's work on your plan together so you can retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, at 777-1911. That's 777-1911. This is Sergeant Whitlock, United States Cavalry, and I'm here on Voices of the West. We are back on Amo Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, Todd Robertson, Los Angeles. Our guest, Jennifer Malone. 
uh, vice chair of the California Indian Basket Weaving Association, Basket Weavers Association, pardon me, and um, also Alliance uh, California Traditional Arts. And, you know, busy lady. Busy lady and one who is very, very interesting. And I got to tell you, I got to play that uh, theme there. Jennifer, Why? because uh, Bunker to France will walk. If I don't play that high chaparral theme, he was in 52 of those episodes. <laughs> so, I like that show. And I, and a lot of times I was an Indian attacking the cowboys, defending the ranch, and I was a cowboy defending the ranch against me attacking it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I want to I want to talk with you, Jennifer, about the federal government and and what it did to your tribe and your people um, by, first of all, you, you're, is it the tribe or not, or is it the language that is not recognized by the federal government? It's the people. The people. Why? Um, it's basically the tribes and um, uh, through the language, you know, when they um, took our people, they would not allow them to speak the language in the boarding schools. Mm -hmm. And so that took away a lot from our people. Uh, one story my my friend had was that her brother was in boarding school and they beat him for speaking the language and mm -hmm. he ran away at nighttime in the snow and this was in South Dakota mm -hmm. and she said when he uh, ran away that he died out in the snow so uh. to me it's basically he died for his language you know mm -hmm. yeah. but you know even uh, and when people did come back home, they still are elders today. A lot of them don't speak the language, you know, because it was it, it was not available for them. And um, so the government, you know, took the language. Um, they did put a lot of our people on the reservations, which my grandma said that she hid from the soldiers on one of our mountains of ear with her grandma. And so they didn't get, uh, they didn't take her, but she hit, had to hide from the soldiers. But yet she, and didn't, they did end up on the reservation. And um, they had to, uh, my grandma's dad had to move off because they had to go to work because there was nothing on the reservations for them. And so they went down and we've all been um, field workers and packers from at the uh, packing houses, mm -hmm. you know, just. That was our line of work. And so with the government, um, I don't know, the tribes aren't allowing people in to um, be members because of, a lot of them have casinos now and they don't want to mm -hmm. share, I guess is my thought. Mm -hmm. But um, And that's what kept has separated a lot of families and things like that, too. Yeah. Money's so evil. Let me, let me go ahead. So, Jennifer, I have to, I wanted to ask you, you know, when you talk about um, how you um, uh, work with baskets, uh, obviously you're, you're getting them to work, you're having to work with it so it works with you. It's kind of a give and take relationship. Right. And how, pli right. And how pliable it is or can mm -hmm. be. Other times it's made not to be pliable. So, you know, uh, Bruce Lee, the great martial artist, said, you know, he his one of his beliefs in the world was that he tried to be like water, 
which was uh, water would fill up anything that it was put in and take that shape. And at the same time, when it was out of something, it, it took its natural shape, which was it just went everywhere. It went into the ground, watered the ground and or vegetation. If it didn't, it would then rise up into the skies and become humidity and so on and eventually become rain and go through that cycle. Mm-hmm. But your baskets, when you're weaving them, you make some baskets so tight and taut that they can hold water. And other baskets you make very, very loose and open to be almost like a fishing net, but it's a hard net. It's a basket. Can you talk mm-hmm. about that somewhat? Well, the uh, coil baskets, yeah, we did have to make them tight, and it's that the material swells up as your um, when you have the water in it. So the material swells up, and it holds the water. And we had to have those to bring water from the the uh, rivers and different things like that. Um, and then the twining baskets, which is the loose weave, is uh, what we make our fishing um, traps with. And those are uh, very, very um, useful. And our boys love to make those. So we still, we still use them. And um, I use my baskets all the time. Mom had her, her basket that I made her. Um, I found her grandmother's basket online. Somebody found a picture of it. And so I copied the pattern with the symbols on it. And it was the um, the inchworm and it <laughs> was the stair steps. So uh, I copied that same pattern and her basket that she used, all the, she used it all the time. She didn't sit it in the corner. Uh, but she used it for her chips and her snacks, uh, she popcorn, her corn nuts <laughs> when she was watching TV. So, you know, she was still using her basket. Hmm. Well, you thank know, God Bunker didn't know or he would have stolen it. I, uh, corn nuts, you bet you. Yep. you know, there's, there's, she we, loved her corn, corn there's, nuts. We, there's an area we haven't got into, which I, in the time we got left, and that <clears> is how... Uh, ecology or the land and nature plays a part in basket weaving and how things like pesticides are are deadly or can be deadly to basket weavers but you know it's the uh, burning you know to, uh, to regenerate the land the you know it's, it's not like you guys just go out and, and pick something up off the ground you there's years of preparation sometimes in some of your gathering yes. spots and yeah. The ecology, and, and I think it pays such a, we should learn from it today because it's such a benevolent way of treating and respecting the land. Yes. In a, way, in a way, Jennifer, you're kind of like a farmer. Yes, you're a basket weaver, but in a way, you're also kind of like a farmer. Yes. Yeah, that's what I tell the people when they try to chase us off. We're just trimming your trees, you know, making it look better hmm. for next year. <laughs> <laughs> You're improving the land. You know, it's that, it's that symbiotic. You love the land and the land loving you back. Yes, definitely. And, yeah, the seasons are very important. Um, with our redbud that we have to gather for our designs and our color, that we gather those in the winter time, probably like January to Feb- 
January, February, March. So a very short time in there to be able to gather that. Our uh, deer grass is just good for about a month, and we have to gather that like September, October. And um, the bracken fern is... uh, during the winter time so the seasons really have a lot to do with when we gather and how we gather okay i have a ver- this is this is probably going to be the most serious question of the whole show but is it true that when you make acorn soup you judge the quality of the soup but if it's too much red it's bad soup is that true right and that is because when you're um, when you're cleaning the acorns, you there's a skin on it, just like the walnuts have that little skin on it. You have to make sure you clean all of that off, and you can't just rush through it and throw it in the pan. You know, hope it's ready. You really have to inspect it and make sure that it is that it is um, all cleaned off. So yeah, most people don't think about that they're just wanting to get it done because it is a long process uh that was one of my mom's favorite meals was her acorn and her um tri-tip it was she used it like a dip she loved it (laughs) all right we got to do our final commercial break here uh hang on the line jennifer harry alexander barbara branson todd roberts with you on amal francie's voices of the west jennifer malone is our guest we will be right back Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were built. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. This is Ed Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management, where we manage money for gun owners. When people turn 50, something miraculous happens. They start to get serious about retirement planning. They've done very well so far and want to be certain they power into the retirement they've earned. Let me guide you to retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me, Ed Wilkinson, at 777-1911. That's 777-1911. Read classic Western comics anytime at VoicesOfTheWest.net. Hello, I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats. But did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right, it's called Horse It Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. 
And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. Look at that. El Coyote routes rustlers. When I took you into this deal, I thought you were tough. Now you let one masked man make fools of the lot of you. He may be afraid to show his face, but he throws lead like it was coming out of a Gatlin gun. And you ought to see his eyes. Give you the creeps. If I want anything done right around here, I have to do it myself. This is the Voices of the West. Animal Francis, Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, Todd Roberts with you. We're just kind of mose- mosey music. Mosey music. We're just moseying on and here. You just see a bunch of old cows just popping <laughs> down the road. I know. Well, like when, when we leave yeah. the ranch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anywho, Jennifer Malone, uh, she's a Native American basket weaver. Incredible lady. Yes. I mean, just the stories you have, Jennifer, are just to talk to. Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I really appreciate you guys too because I've never really thought about some of the things that you have asked me. You know, and it's like, well, I just take it for granted. You know that, yeah. that everything's fine. <laughs> well, I, I, this is and a- you know, I don't live in the past because, you know, all that's yeah. too ugly, so yeah. I don't really pass all of that on to my grandchildren. Um, so, you know, we're just doing our everyday thing and trying to live the best way we can. Mm-hmm. That's a good philosophy. That's all you can do, really. I wish more people had that <laughs> yeah. philosophy. Yeah. Especially the politicians and lawyers. Well, forget that noise. <laughs> that ain't going to happen. <laughs> right. Well, here's another quote for you, because I, I love quotes. Weaving forms the foundation of all parts of life. Cooking, gathering, child care. Ceremony, art, recreation, attire, and more. Isn't that so cool? Mm-hmm. It's true too. Mm-hmm. Very, very it's a true. Yeah. You know, it's very centery. So, um, Jennifer Malone, go ahead and self-promote. Uh, What's coming up? It's that uh, shameless, uh, shameless self-promoting time, and uh, mm-hmm. we offer it up for you. What have you got coming up? Uh, classes or anything else that our listeners might be interested in? Okay. Yes, I am. Um, first of all, I am not federally recognized, and um, I am what Chumni Tachin Yalapni, full-blooded Native American. And um, so I trying to preserve all of our culture, our language, our ceremonies, songs, everything that my mom taught me. Um, I do classes, language classes uh, every week, 10 hours a week, uh, two days a week, basically. But I teach uh, language along with different uh, activities, such as our gourd rattles and things that we can make and take home. Um, I do have, uh, we're having, a, and powwows are not 
California uh-huh. recognized powwows are from South Dakota, different uh, uh, states. Yeah, our our ceremonies are dancing just uh, not like that and dressing like they do. Uh, there's a whole um, story to that, which my my friend taught me about the Lakota's mm-hmm. dance styles and things like that. But so, uh, but we do attend because um, I I am also uh, I do beadwork. I make earrings and necklaces and jewelry. I make little baskets to sell. You know, I still do what my grandma used to do. Grandma used to have to make baskets in order to get food and and medicines and different things like that. So I'm still carrying that on with um, just having some mad money when I go out to bend (laughs) at different events. Um, So um, we do have a powwow here in um, Chansey powwow coming up next weekend I have a language conference that I will be going to Monday and Wednesday in uh, Bishop which is about a seven hour drive and then I come back and I will be uh, having another powwow in Chumash uh, over at Chumash and then after that we did help one of our um um, local museums here in Three Rivers by doing redoing the native um, room, and so we put mom's everything you know that mom had, her language, some tapes, some recordings, and our baskets. You know, we just uh, helped them. Uh, redo the whole native section. So we're having a celebration on the 28th on there to uh, be able to show the public you know, this is what we uh, did and then I had four people that are going to be um, presenting also to do a make and take and then after that I have another gathering that I had organized with Fresno um, to do another make and take event there, and so, yeah, busy you're, month. You're you're one busy, busy lady, busy. man. <laughs> yeah, I got, I, I, did you ever get? You don't believe in slowing down, do you? Jeff? No, no, I am too old to slow down yeah. because I got to do it while I can. There you go. Did you ever get Todd's yeah. mom's basket straightened out for him? <laughs> I'm still working on them, you know, right. with being so busy. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, I, I have looked, uh, been able to uh, get some of the materials that I needed because, you know, the basket is old, so I want to kind of match up the material. Mm-hmm. Right. I can't have my new, new stuff on there because mm-hmm. it'll show too much. So I am going to get that done by November, Todd. Uh, sorry, it's taken so long, but I will. No need to apologize. Yeah, really. <laughs> no need to apologize. It's all good. Yes. You know. Um, maybe I'll it, come. It's just uh, maybe I'll come visit Todd in uh, in Los Angeles in Cal- in uh, November, and then he can take me up to uh, meet you and 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 you and, can help her with the best. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> oh golly, Jennifer Malone, thank yeah, you so, so much. Our baskets, our baskets do have life, is what Mom always yes, told us. Do. So yeah. you know, our baskets have to be held 
and they have to be used. And so, you know, I did go down to the Autry and uh, Autry Museum in L.A. Mm -hmm. and uh, found one of my grandmother's cradleboards that she had made for one of her children. Maybe it might have even been my dad's. But I didn't even know she was a weaver um, on my dad's side. Um, and so I held that basket, and I could just feel the warmth, and mm. and it just yeah. made me shaky all over, you oh, know. And sure. it's like, oh, this is just is so, so amazing. Jennifer Malone, thank but, you yeah. so much for spending uh, Saturday afternoon with us. We really appreciate it. We have learned so much, and uh, and may you always walk in beauty. Yeah, indeed. And oh, thank you. Please, please. Uh, <laughs> thank com- you so much. Please come back and 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 visit with us once again. Until next week, well, folks. You gotta send me your picture. Yeah, he will. <laughs> 78, 79, <laughs> right, 80 O's, baskets. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West. 